Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Kavanaugh has not given that penalty um, that strikes him on the arm midway strikes him when his arm's not in a natural position um, I've got a three year old daughter at home who could tell you that's a penalty that is the most easiest decision you're going to get as a handball easy there's so many that happen quickly arms there arms there late reaction whatever anybody the, 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 I don't know what has, to ha- what has to happen as a reflection of that also he didn't advise the referee Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why. I don't know. I can't understand it. It's incompetence at best. Um, if it's not that, then just did it, then someone needs to explain to me what it is. Hello, Evertonians, and welcome back to the Toffee Web Podcast. I'm Lyndon Lloyd, joined as ever by Paul Trail and Al Breckland, and that was obviously the voice of an exasperated Frank Lampard speaking to Sky Sports after Saturday's one 0 defeat to Manchester City. One that should give us Blues plenty of encouragement, but also leaves us pretty angry at another shafting at the hands of VAR. Uh, We'll talk about the performance against City and then look ahead to uh, Boreham Wood and the trip to Spurs, but we can't really start anywhere other than that penalty incident because it still rankles 72 hours later. And uh, Mike Riley's personal apologies to Frank Lampard and Bill Kenwright mean nothing really without some sort of action against Chris Kavanagh, at least in my opinion. Um, I think the majority of football fans probably supported the introduction of VAR because it was assumed wrongly, I suppose it turns out that it would put an end to, or at least lessen these arguments over the big controversial incidents in matches. But the implementation of it in England, it seems has been terrible and the problems with it, um, namely the incompetence of the officials using it. um, They keep getting raised by fans and pundits, but if anything, it's getting worse. Um, and these incidents don't seem don't seem to be evening out over the course of a season, do they, Al? At least not where Everton are concerned. No, not at all. Um, so I sit in the Gladys Street, um, and the incident actually happened right in front of me. And 
the thing with Rodri is you could actually, even in, in live time, you could see him move his arm into the ball. It was a very, you know, unnatural movement in, in terms of how the ball sort of went up and how he how he controlled it. And it was right in my eye line. Um, and I was convinced that it was a penalty. And I, as you say, Lyndon, with VAR, as an Evertonian and as a Premier League football fan, I should have been confident that when another official review, reviewed it, that is a penalty for Everton. It didn't happen. Um, I think, that, you know, exasperation is definitely the word. Um, I don't think I've been as frustrated or as angry um, for a very, very long time. I'm, I'm thinking probably the, the Clattenburg Merseyside derby, where I've been so incensed at a decision because it was just... It was it was a very very obvious handball, and you know, back in the day, if the referee had a bad angle of it, you can sort of you can almost forgive it. But when they have all the camera angles available to them, and they still don't give that penalty, you know, I think Frank Lampard was completely right in what he said that you know this is this is on the referee, and how 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 the the uh, the VAR sorry, how can you? Look at that and and make that decision. As he said, his his three year old daughter would have given a penalty there, and it is. It's just you know people talk about corruption. <laughs> you know it's probably not that crazy because the, the what other reasons are there not to give such a, a stonewall penalty for that handball? So um, it is just really disappointing because I was all for VAR for that very reason that I did assume that it would maybe take away that big club bias. You know the. The top six bias that we that we're all paranoid about. Um, I feel VAR that when you can see it, you know, on the screen, then it makes things much more black and white. You know, it, it's still a game of opinions. Not every foul is a foul to somebody else, but when you look at it and it's it's so clear that it's a handball, it's just you know where'd you go and you know the the ramifications are huge. Obviously, you know the Premier League football that. That, that win is massive to Manchester City. It's massive to Liverpool, who are their title rivals. But most importantly, it's massive to Everton, who are, who are fighting for their lives down at the bottom at the moment. And every point counts. And uh, we deserve the opportunity to get an equaliser. You know, that who's to say that the penalty would have gone in or not? But to be denied that chance, um, as you mentioned, Lyndon, the apologies are too little too late. And that could have massive ramifications for the future of the football club. Yeah, I think the the apology is worthless, isn't it? It doesn't it, do, it doesn't do anything for us. That I, I must have a similar view to you. I must be sitting around the same sort of place as you. Well, um, I was kind of right in line with it as well. Um, it's definitely a penalty, wasn't it? There was no even like in real time. You don't know why the referee didn't give that in real time. And I think there's a bit too much of that with VAR now. You're not seeing too many referees giving penalties. They're just for, for anything really. They're just too too happy to wait for the VAR to to make the call or not. For for them, you find, but then when they went to VAR, it's it's it's, it's just ridiculous that 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 wasn't given. And yeah, I'm just a bit fed up of all this now. I think we all are really. I think the, the last sort of three or four games, we've had decisions go against us like this, and I don't think there's a big conspiracy against Everton as such. But I think there is. It, 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 these these favorite the, these decisions very much favor the big teams or the favorite teams. They. No, I'm not. I'm not a Southampton. Not getting that decision at Southampton means they, they they think Southampton are a huge team and we're not. And same against Newcastle. But I think if if that's any of them teams having that same issue that we're at Southampton and somebody being on the end of that John Shelby challenge at Newcastle, they're getting them decisions no matter what. And I'm just a little bit fed up with the, these things now. I don't think it's just them VAR things. I think it's just a general bias with these things. I mean. 
it's little things which get to me. Like uh, I remember when I think it was we were, we were pretty poor at Southampton, where we'd be like last minute at the half and Pickford could have let the ball go out, but he kept it in and kept play going. Gordon made a good run all the way across the box. Ball and got to Coleman. He got a chance to cross the ball in, but no, it's 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 half time. The referee blows. When the thing, yeah, if it's last one of the other teams, just gonna let it play. It's little things like that. It's just um. Maybe I'm becoming increasingly paranoid, but I've just, oh, it's at the end of my tether with stuff like that and uh, the bias that it seems to fall towards the towards the more favoured media teams with that. And um, it couldn't have been any more illustrated than than, uh, than that what happened against um, Manchester City on uh, on Saturday. Um, if we're playing, I don't know, we'd probably got it, wouldn't we? If we were playing, I don't know, Watford at home or something like that. But it's just that, that favouritism towards them, towards them teams, just... Uh, just drives me nuts and uh, yeah, just about had enough of it, really. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, there's a few things going on with it. But what you mentioned there about the, the referees, you know, not making a decision. Okay, let's let's take Paul Tierney at his word that he didn't have a, a decent side to the incident, which is fair enough. Um, but, you know, if, if the referee doesn't make a decision, then, then it's in, there's an increasingly high bar for the VAR to then make a decision the other way because it's, you know, the, the clear and obvious error. If the, if the error was in, in awarding a penalty that wasn't a penalty, then, you know, it, it should be easier for the VAR to then turn that down. But if the referee hasn't made a decision that in this particular incident is, is you know, particularly obvious, um, then the referee not having made that decision just makes it, just makes it harder for the VAR to, to go against, you know, his, his colleague, as it were. Um, you know, when it comes to the uh, to the conspiracy theory thing, I mean, I kind of alluded it to my match point, match report, more or less out of sort of anger at the time. <clears throat> I think what's, I think what most fans would agree that there's an unconscious bias that affects referees. I mean, you only have to look at the fact that what was it before uh, last season, Everton had had two penalties at Anfield in forty years or something. I mean, there, there's clearly something at work there um, when it comes to home crowds and the pressure of giving big decisions in hostile environments that, you know, I mean, referees that are only human. And one of my issues with um, the whole VAR thing with, you know, them being hundred, hundreds of miles away in Stockley park, you know, they, they don't have any, um, they don't have any means of sort of gauging the temperature of the game or the, and they, they don't have to face any of the, any of the repercussions. That's all on the, you know, the officials who are, who are in the stadium and getting yelled at by the coaching staff and the players afterwards. Um, but just going back to what, what you said, Al, about the fact that, um, you know, that it, it was obvious that Rodri had actually moved his arm towards the ball. And that really, when it comes down to it, you know, the, the rules are there to more or less safeguard the spirit of the game. And the spirit of the game is that he has gained um, um, an, an unfair advantage by purposely moving his arm towards the ball. So that should be your starting point. Before you start getting into the, um, you know, the the, the 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 minutia of where on the arm and how much of the ball was was above the sleeve and below the sleeve, I mean, you know, it's the guiding principle should be in the spirit of the laws of the game. He's moved his arm towards the ball, made his body unnaturally bigger, and it, it, it's a penalty. You know, it's a penalty, and it's just, um, yeah, you know, we have no recourse apart from just being angry about it. Um, and I think the thing that that annoys me more than anything right now is the fact that the Chris Kavanaugh is still on duty tonight. I think he's, I think he's refereeing the, the Burnley Leicester game. Whereas with some of the bigger teams, you know, the PGMOL steps in and says, you know, 
you just take sit down for a week and let this let this all kind of you know blow over but with everton you know there's 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 nothing he just he's just back to work as if nothing ever happened yeah i am i am encouraged by uh because that, that has happened to everton a lot it does seem like if it's everton everything carries on as normal as you've alluded to and then you know if it's if it's one of the top six clubs, there will be ramifications. But I'm, I'm encouraged that Everton have, have made the complaint. Frank Lampard uh, made his message very clear after the game. And I think going forward, I think that's really important that Everton, as a football club, I think uh, in the Premier League era, they've they've not defended themselves enough when decisions have gone against them. Um, and I'd like to see that mentality change, hopefully, under Lampard, that players will demand that referees, you know, give the right decisions that if, you know, Richarlison, for example, he's always kicked from pillar to post, isn't he, by defenders, that they make the referee aware that that's happening. Uh, the same for Anthony Gordon. And I hope that, you know, going forward, we do just keep shouting about it. Um, another thing for me with with all the, the, the fallout from this as well was that um, Chris Kavanagh, he's from Ashton Lyme, which is six miles from Manchester. And for me, I, you know, I don't know if, if the reports are true that he does have Manchester City links. If it, I think it was his brother has a season ticket, maybe. But for me, it's from the Premier League's point of view. Why are they putting themselves in that position by giving him games involving the Manchester clubs? Um, I think it's similar for Mike Dean as well. He's from the Wirral. I've never understood why he's been involved in Everton and Liverpool games as well. Because, you know, m- myself, I'm from the Wirral. I know lots of Everton fans. I know lots of Liverpool fans. And I just feel that no matter how much of a professional you are, you know, you, you could be making what you think is the right decision, but it just allows people to to have those theories, if that makes sense. It allows people to doubt your decisions. So for me, I think the locality of where referees are from should really come into play in what games they are uh, they are assigned to. Because, because again, it, it when, when things like this happen, it just leads to more conjecture and, you know, that rightly or wrongly, I think the Premier League needs to help themselves and just think a little about how they're appointing these referees. It can't be like, it can't be that difficult to figure out either, can it? To, to, to not have the referee from like near the area. It can't be, it can't be that hard, can it? Or the, the you know, the VAR there for whoever. Kevin is yeah, he's the ref at the Burnley Leicester game now, isn't he? That as it stands, we're in the relegation zone by by uh, by goal difference, um, and he's refing that game. No, I mean, look, I'm not saying there's any, you know there's anything untoward in that regard, but just the fact that he's able to sort of, as you say, lend them without any sort of um, repercussion, just uh, just referee that game. Um, and yeah, like if we got the penalty, well, okay, fine, it's straw clutching a little bit, but we wouldn't. Right, right. The second being the being the relegation zone would be, um, yeah, it's farcical. Um, I think we've all had about enough of it, and yeah, let's see if this. I uh, know that Everton, um, yeah, Lampard putting his foot down a bit. You know, let's see if it makes any difference. What was at least made up about us? Remember when um, Brentford was it when uh, Rondon got the, his shirt pulled off his back almost, and then uh, mm-hmm. we, and we didn't get the penalty then. That didn't go to VAR. It didn't even go to VAR for some reason. That. But no, nobody, nobody appealed. Did they? No, no Everton players sort of like jumped up or got in front of the ref. London didn't do anything. Um, it's amazing. And but when this happened this time, so many players were right in the referee's face. And I like to see that at least because I think for too long, I think it's been more probably on the pitch than off it. At least I think that we just stuff at that. We just let a 
little bellies be tickled a bit too often, you know, just haven't really stood up for ourselves enough. And that was really, really apparent in that Brentford one because nobody said a single word to the ref when, when that happened. And yeah, it was really clear, but you saw like the core there, you forget a few of the others, all right in the referee's face running up to it. So, um, yeah, it was good to see that at least. And hopefully you just keep up that fight and keep up that pressure on referees a little bit more. And it might be able to get, might be able to, given what's happened, given it's a bit more public, given Lampard has uh, called it incompetence at best, I think. Um, maybe referees, when they see that the Everton players feel a bit wrong in some of the remaining games, they might be more persuaded to give us that decision. Who knows? Um, I hope so, because we're certainly, certainly due a few decisions out this season, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely helps. I mean, that's how you know Sir Alex Ferguson used to get a lot of lot of decisions his way. He would just be the you know the the loudest person in the room complaining about it. Um, and I was I was really encouraged by what Lampard said. You know, I mean, he went. I don't think he's been fined to this point, but he. I mean, he could he could have been. Um, and he went right up to the line. And, and I really liked the fact that he was that, that he showed that he cared. And that. Um, seems to have been a feature of his time at the club so far that he actually, you know, he's, he's in sync with all of us. Um, he's kind of living and breathing the highs and the lows and the, and the anger and the frustration, which is great. And then you've got Ashley Cole, who's only been at the club for five minutes and he's getting in the ref's face because he feels he's cheated. So, um, I mean, in the context of this whole, you know, the struggle that we've got going on against um, getting out of getting away from the, uh, the relegation zone, it's all really, really encouraging um, as was the performance as a whole. Um, I thought uh, it was pretty much everything that we wanted from Everton um, without, you know, without penalty aside or penalty claim aside, without actually getting the goal um, and a point that I think we deserved. Um, but in the absence of of not getting anything from the game, I think all that we needed at, at a minimum was a performance and um, some real signs of optimism for the remaining games. And I think we definitely got that, didn't we? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it was really encouraging to see that, you know, as the game went on, that you could see the effort the players are putting because a lot of them did look knackered. And that, that's what you, you know, it, you want your players to be fit to last the 90 minutes. But after the season we've had, it was so encouraging to see that the players had given everything. Um, and, you know, if, if it's been said a lot that if, if Everton can, can show that commitment, show that desire, show that fight, that come May they should be okay and and uh, still be in the Premier League. Um, it was it was it was just good to see what what I noticed as well. I got into the ground a little earlier than usual and I noticed um, Paul Clement was doing drills with his players, little one twos and passes where they were you know it's very simple, very basic football pass and move. But there was you know he was closing down the first man and then they were doing intricate passes and it was very interesting to see that. Even in our own half, in terms of Allen linking up with with Coleman, um, you could see that was working, and it, it did. It helped the team progress up the pitch um, really positively, really proactively. Um, and I think that's that's something that Everton have struggled with in recent seasons, just in terms of cohesion and functionality in the team. So, from what I saw in the warm up, that was really encouraging to see that while we may lack quality compared to Man City, that there's there's been a way of, of coaching there where, you know, things are, are coming together. Um, I just think that the work rate was good. Um, you know, City are so good at keeping the ball, but I, th- I, th- I thought we kept them at bay um, for, you know, very long periods of the game. And it, it, it's encouraging. It is encouraging that we were, you know, it's disappointing to lose 1-0. 
But um, going forward, I feel like that, that that was some. I was really encouraged by what I saw on the pitch. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Alan there, and I didn't realise that um, Paul Clement was doing uh, doing so much good work in the uh, pre-match sort of warm-ups, and um, etc. He's a very good coach, isn't he? A very highly thought-of coach. That's it's really good to have him on board. But Alan, um, I mean, Alan's always Alan always gives it all, doesn't he? He always gives his best. But I think his uh, performance levels have gone up a game or two. I think since uh, since Lampard's been there, I think he's. Uh, I thought he was absolutely outstanding um, on uh, on Saturday and. Having the Corley back certainly helped, didn't it? I think we were saying last week, or is it worth just holding the Corley back if he's not fully fit? But he's uh, seems he's such a good athlete, the Corley, isn't he? He just gets around the pitch so well. And um, um, I think we've said before, it'd be great to get them three playing together, the Corley and Alan and uh, Van der Beek. And um, hopefully it is just cramp with Donny. Um, and it's not that it didn't look like a serious injury, did it? And yeah, if you can get, I think if we can have them three on the park. You know, for for most of the rest of the games, and you know, we'll be we'll be more than okay. I'm I'm quite certain of that. Particularly if we can finally get like a bit of a running games out of Dominic uh, Dominic Carver Lewin, and you know you, you know you'll always get good work from a Charles, and then and from the other flank you got um, Gordon or Gray or the Wobie or Valley. You know, it's really good options, isn't it? You know, throughout that attacking line. So I think. Um, yeah, it's encouraging, isn't it? Um, that the performance was, was really encouraging overall, and uh, just a shame we couldn't score. But the opportunities we had, I suppose, in the first half, isn't it? Um, Shane John Joe Kenny couldn't quite wrap his wrap his foot around. I'm not having a go for that. It was on his wrong foot. It wasn't a bad effort when he hit the side net, and then the Charleston might have done better at that when he had to sort of snatch at a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's a few few sort of. Just a bit better than half chances, weren't they? Some of them, and yeah, if one of them goes in and we've got someone to hold on to, you know, might have just uh, sneaked it. And then obviously, we know what happened with the well done non penalty at the end. But yeah, it's a marvelous, marvelous effort, and uh, it's great to have the crowd really on side, um, very fun. And uh, just to touch it on quickly as well, the um, really, really good, um, like poignant, um, like sort of tribute to uh, to our. Uh, uh, Milenko and uh, what's happening in Ukraine. I think that was a really nice touch by Everton before the game, and um, the, they're very good at that, aren't they? And uh, connecting the fans in that regard. And uh, just for that, I just want to point out that was a, you know, that was a really, really good touch. It's, you know, it's so sad what's going on there, and it's just doing this podcast a nice distraction because I, I just can't take my eyes off the news and stuff. And yeah, it was just really, really nice touch that by Everton. Just uh, yeah, wanted to point that out. Yeah, that was fantastic. It was really, really moving, particularly watching it on TV because obviously you could have the you know the close-ups of Zinchenko and Mikolenko who just visibly mm-hmm. moved by the reaction. I don't think either one of them might have ex- have expected that kind of um, you know support. Um, so yeah, it was yeah it was it was really really nice to see. Um, going back to um, what you're saying, I think I mentioned in, in last week's podcast that you know it was my opinion that Lampard should stop playing you know, players in their proper positions. But I thought, I actually think he got it absolutely spot on with John Joe Kenny um, back in that left-back role because he, he, for the first half at least, maybe for the first hour, I mean, he, he had completely um, kept Phil Foden and Bernardo Silva quiet down that flank. Um, yeah, and as you say, it's unfortunate that it was that the best chance of that first half, you know, fell to him on his wrong foot. But I thought otherwise he was excellent and he continues to be, you know, for a player, I think we'd all written off. He continues to be a, a revelation. Um, and then in midfield, I mean, just to re-echo what you what, what you fellas said, I thought Adam was terrific. Um, I mean, I think he dragged himself through that game because he started feeling <clears throat> feeling something in his groin area. 
um, in the, the back end of the first half. And I was concerned that he wasn't going to come out for the second. Um, but yeah, he just, uh, <clears throat> he was everywhere. Um, Decore, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a machine, isn't he? Um, and then Van, Van der Beek as a, um, a player who I th- think many people thought was really going to be more of an um, offensive midfield option. I mean, he's been terrific all over the pitch. Um, so it was just a, just a, a fantastic effort all the way through. But that, that's not a relegation midfield. Those three, and particularly if, if he sticks with those three, as I expect he will, um, with that that being our problem area of the of the pitch for most of the season, with that with that three in midfield, I think we're going to be fine. Um, it was really encouraging from that point of view. Yeah, I think I think that solidity we showed as well that could be a real blueprint for for Everton on the road for the remaining games of the season. I think a lot was made, wasn't it, of Carlo Ancelotti's ability to grind out results uh, away from home. And I think that set up, it, it worked really well. I think, as you say, Lyndon and, and Paul, that, that midfield, uh, there's real energy in there, but real there's quality on the ball as well, I think, especially with, with Van der Beek. I think I, I often mention about the the sort of functionality of the team and how the, the 11 needs to be like cogs in a machine. And I think that that midfield, I think those three really complement each other because I think it allows Alan to... To not not sit as such, but it allows him to just patrol, and then Van der Beek just a little bit further forward. I mean, Van der Beek comes forward and back, but he can really cover the ground as well. And then it just allows the core to to get forward and, and make those runs that he that he likes to make, especially on the counter attack. So I think it was really interesting the way you know we, we haven't set up massively different to the Lampard's previous games, but I just thought there was a solidity there and a it, there was a a cleverness to the play as well. Um, I just thought we were nice and compact. Um, City were, you know, as I've mentioned, that they're so good on the ball, but I feel that the defenders probably had the most touches um, working it side to side because we were we were so rigid in, in what we were doing. Um, so you know, I've I've said previously that <laughs> the away games I'm not I'm not really paying much attention for the, for the running. Uh, you know, anything we can get is a bonus. But I think from from how Lampard set up. I think we we can be confident that the away games. Hopefully, we we've got more of a plan now that he's he's been at the club a little bit longer, um, and it will be it will be nice to to see how that develops. I think if we can just like figure out something away from home a little bit though. I mean, what what is good at like say that that system he played or that like sort of four three three. We got the two the the, the two on the flank of um, Gordon and Awobi like. It's one of they, they weren't at their best defensively, um, but I can see them working well away if they can put that sort of shift in because they they didn't off put uh, put a lot of effort in and getting back and making tackles and protecting their protecting their fullbacks. And if if we're going to sort of start getting any sort of results away from home, you feel like it might have to be grind that, grinding it out a little bit and players that could be could be important, at least for, I don't know, you could play them for 60, 70 minutes of a game and then maybe release Deli Ali away from home or something like that. He's probably not going to give you that maybe defensive shift. I don't know, just uh, maybe thinking out loud a little bit. For, uh, just Yeah, just like I'd love to see us pick up that away form a little bit. I mean, obviously, just wants to limp over the line no matter which way. And uh, you're right, the home form will probably be the uh, what 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 does that for us? But um, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a bit suffering time for the uh, for the for the away contingent this season, hasn't it? So we got to see a, a little bit of um, reward for their for their efforts um, at some point between now and the end of the season. And uh, who knows? It might um, 
maybe might need that on the road in the cup, I suppose, if we can overcome overcome Borden Wood on uh, on Thursday night. So it's uh, two quick games in a row, haven't we? So I guess we'll um, one of them's away at Spurs. So I guess we'll see how we get on there. But uh, great chance to go through into the quarterfinal against Borden Wood, would you say? Oh, 100%. 100%. It's, uh, <clears throat> I think Lampard's already, um, already intimated that there's going to be, you know, some of the players who weren't involved on Saturday will be involved. Um, you'd think Mikalenko <clears throat> and um, Patterson perhaps um, <clears throat> starting in that one. Uh, maybe Andros Townsend. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I think other people have said it's the, it's the kind of match that regardless of who we put out, we should be winning. Um, and, and as you say, it's, it's a terrific chance to get into the quarterfinals and, um, you know, just get, get a really favorable home draw. And all of a sudden we're, you know, we're on, we're that close to Wembley. So it's, uh, it's, it's a good opportunity for us. And, and uh, hopefully we can get um, a favor from someone in the other fifth round ties to get some of these, uh, these big boys out the way. Yeah, I think it, it presents a good opportunity, doesn't it, for players like Patterson and Mekalenko. Um, obviously, if we'd have drawn a, a fellow Premier League side, would would Lampard have given them that chance? Maybe, but in, in Boreham Wood, you know, with respect to them, we should be, you know, you would hope we would make quite light work of that with the with the quality we've got in the team, and you know, Patterson, Mikalenko, as you mentioned, Townsend, um, it could be a real boost for the team going forward if they can just get another win under the belt. Uh, game time for these players who've just arrived at the club um, and it, it, it's a really good opportunity because as you say Lyndon if you can get a good home tie then you're you know you're, you're at Wembley in the semis if you can if you can win that game and it's you know the Premier League season especially it's all about momentum and if you can get a, a good cup run as they say to, to just build that confidence to keep it going it, it can really turn your league form around as well um, so that is such a you know we've We've really uh, been lucky there in the draw that we've we've got the lowest ranked team, and uh, hopefully we can take advantage of it and, and rack up a win, and then just see where we can go from there. Really, just get the confidence going, get the cohesion going, and, and Lampard, you know, <clears throat> can find out more about his squad of players. It's come at quite opportune time, hasn't it? Because I think uh, the, <laughs> the, those players left everything on the field on Saturday, and it's nice that some of them majority of them let's hope we'll be able to get you know what was it like a nine-day break that could be that could be really big particularly for the likes of van der Beek if he's you know if he does just have a minor knock um get Alan to, to shrug off whatever um issue he picked up um you know Calvert-Lewin will hopefully be back so I think it's a it's 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 a good it's it's a good opportunity for us seeing as we you know as you say we've we've drawn the the lowest ranked team and one we should be beating regardless of who we put out it's a chance. Um, I mean, I guess you can just rest whoever you need to rest, and you know, play whoever you need, whoever needs game time. I suppose, and we, we should have learnt by now. We should we shouldn't be too overconfident with these things being uh, no. being Evertonians. Um, but now, realistically, I mean, um, born and born at home. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, you, 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 you'd have to expect the Premier League team team to go and win that. Um, you know. And look at look at the whole squad there. Some of the players that you mentioned that would come in, they, you know, these are good, they, these are good, good experienced players. Even the young lads like sort of Patterson, you know, because, you know, he's, he hasn't played Premier League yet, but he's yeah, you feel like his standard must be 
a lot higher than Borland Woods. And then talking about players like Andros Townsend, or even like Rondon, players like that have needs. You know what I mean? It's like the the, the standards, the fitness levels. And you, you got you got five subs as well in the in the FA Cup. You know what I mean? So there's, um, you could have, you know, if you really need the lads on the bench to, you know, um, if, if the worst is the worst is happening with half an hour or whatever to go, you could have the Charles and whatever on the, on the bench, you know. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I expect Everton to go through. It's, um, it, it's a real opportunity. It'd be, um, well, it'd be a real embarrassment to not to not go through, and um, let's just hope it's a good, um, enjoyable experience at Bournemouth Board as well, and not too enjoy and not too enjoyable. But let's hope their fans have a good yeah. trip, and it's uh, you know it's uh, Everton win, win win comfortably. They have a good time, and it's because it's a massive game for them, isn't it? And they got that they got um, forget his name. They got the uh, massive Evertonian there, haven't they? Um, we had the the Tony Hibbert shirts on, so you know little moments like that are always nice in the cup, aren't they? So um, yeah, let's hope it's just a good sort of. Uh, Comfortable win all around. Rest some players or get some get some game time and some others. And uh, yeah, and it's it, it's a sellout as well, which is great, isn't it? For obviously um, uh, playing a team like uh, Ball and Wood. So yeah, I guess we're not the only sort of for the Evertonians with with designs on um, on getting to Wembley. I think uh, <laughs> people don't want to miss out on their credits for this one, do they? In case that in case we do get there. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's hope for the best uh, best with that one. And then. Um, yeah, and then uh, onwards to uh, onwards to Spurs after that. Yeah, the Tottenham one is going to be a difficult one, um, <laughs> just not not least because they've just thrashed Leeds um, and really look to be uh, back in stride after uh, Antonio Conte's little uh, little tantrum there, which I, I think I saw today that he said was all part of his psychological plan or something to <laughs> to get him, uh, fix whatever was going wrong. And that mentally on 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 the, in the Tottenham team, so yeah, he's he's an interesting one. But um, I mean, this is obviously a fixture that, apart from you know the beginning of the uh, the lockdown season, and obviously we picked up that that win. This is, you know we hadn't won there in, in a decade or something. So this is never an easy match, um, particularly against a team uh, of Tottenham's talent. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. How Lampard approaches that one, I'm imagining that it's going to be something very similar to to the lineup against City. Um, so yeah, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, as I mentioned, the way on the road, we we need to see something different now. I think it's it's up to the players as well to you know. So far, it's been so it's been almost like Jekyll and Hyde, hasn't it? In terms of the performances at Goodison and the performance on the road, and it's. It's up to them now. They've they've sort of gone toe to toe with Manchester City for eighty minutes, and uh, you know the only the only thing that's beating us is a, is an error at the back. Um, so they've got to go to Tottenham and, and show what we're made of. You know we're, we're down there fighting for our lives at the minute. You know we've got games in hand, and that can maybe make you feel a little bit more at ease. But you know as we're as we're talking on the podcast, Everton are in the bottom three because of, of Burnley's current um, scoreline with Leicester. So. We need to go there and we need to show what we're about because, as I said about the, the FA Cup games as well, you need momentum, you need to confidence to, to breed as well. And I think while Tottenham's a really difficult game and the result is key, so is a performance because the, the games on the road so far, they've just not been good enough. So I feel like the players re- really need to dig in and, and show us, you know, show the fans, show their new manager what they're about, that, that they have got it in them to... To grind out results, um, you know Tottenham have got lots of quality. They've they've 
been up and down under Conte, really, haven't they? So we've got to go there, and you know it's going to be such a difficult game, and it's it's not the game you want in the in the current predicament we're in. But I think for me, it's it's down to the players. I think Lampard's slowly but surely getting his ideas across. There's definitely uh, improvements being made, but I think yeah, the players need to just stand up and be counted on this one and, and show the fans that they've they've got it what it takes to get us out of the pickle that we're in right now. I think it will be different um, just because we'll have that midfield three. I mean, I think we spent most of the last, the, the pod after the Southampton defeat, you know, lamenting the fact that we just had this void of a midfield. I think having those three in there is going to make a massive difference. Um, you know, it just gives you that platform to be that much better, both defensively and um, in attack. Um, and as you say, they've Tottenham have been up and down. So th- there's an opportunity here for us. If we can start the way that we did at Southampton and actually maintain it, and keep our heads if something goes wrong. I think that we can. There's there's definitely opportunity there for us. Just as I'm um, talking, sorry, just to go back on the cup for a second. Um, so I'm just looking through the the scores and yeah. So Peterborough, Peterborough, and Man City. Uh, well, City, City literally just gone two up. Um, Palace are beating Stoke. Middlesbrough play Spurs. Uh, Luton, Chelsea, Southampton, West Ham, Liverpool, Norwich. But point being, if all them, all them teams, a lot of them you wouldn't mind getting, would you? In the next round of the cup, yeah. You know I mean, it's in, in the in the quarter final, home all the way. Let's be fair. I mean, a lot of them. So some of them I definitely wouldn't want to get. But I mean, I'd say probably like five of them. Probably you'd probably get. Yeah, you, you could be a lot worse when you get to the quarter final stage. So you know, it really is a good opportunity perhaps to get to Wembley if we uh, if we can beat Bournemouth. Wood. So anyway, I've just gone back in time there. I have an idea. <laughs> we were talking about um, Tottenham. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I've got. I've, I don't know why. I've just got a bit of a good feeling about this game. I don't know. I don't normally, uh, particularly this season, away from home, I just feel feel myself so downbeat before games because just because of the way we've played in a lot of the games uh, this season. I'm really encouraged by that midfield three. Yeah, maybe it's because Spurs are so sort of Jekyll and Hyde. I just got quite a good feeling that we might uh, might might nick this. I just I don't know. Uh, I don't know, I think maybe Lampard's just due that sort of, I think maybe the performances have been such that he's maybe due that, um, that uh, I don't know, that, that great performance which results in a win. Maybe we're due that bit of luck from, uh, or that, that right decision from, from VAR or from the referee. Maybe maybe Deli Ali. I, I presume he's, he's, he's available to play. And we've had these strange deals before, haven't we? When like uh, there's been like gentlemen agreements, but was it like Tim Howard couldn't play once when we signed him for Man United and wasn't there some debate about Lewis Sahar not playing against us or something like that when we were playing Spurs and I forget exactly but um, I presume Dali Ali's allowed to play in this game there's no sort of like hidden deal to say he's not I don't think so um, yeah there's just that there's that often the way isn't there when players go back to their own clubs and uh, especially so soon after leaving you wonder if that might just have a little bit of a might spook Spurs a bit and have a little bit of an impact Um the call he's back is a big thing. His, his debut for Everton was at Spurs, and we won. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just got a little bit of a, a little bit of an inkling we might uh, might do this, and I, I seldom have that. And that and that doesn't that doesn't mean it's a, that's a good thing. But um, yeah, I've just got a uh, just got an inkling we might uh, might sneak that one. Um, fingers crossed. I can't explain why. I just got a, got a good feeling about that game, which I hardly ever do. Probably because we played so well against City, maybe the players might realise we can match these teams. We can, we can do better. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that might just be the the game they needed to to really turn a, turn the corner and be like, yeah, we can we can compete here. Maybe they just needed that belief again. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to see um, I'd like to see Deli Ali start. Actually, uh, I know I said that last week. Um, I can can see why 
Lampard went with Awobi. Um, I mean, Awobi, I'm, I'm really pleased that his attitude is, is, is has picked up in terms of, or maybe it's not so much his attitude, but his confidence um, and and his desire to to prove himself, particularly from a defensive point of view. I still have my concerns with him over M product, and I think ultimately Dele Alli is going to be a a more dangerous player for us up there, a more um, productive, more consistent player. Um, so I, I'm interested to see. I'm keen to see him start getting a run because I, there's, there's still this uh, there's still this negative element that you kind of see on social media where people are, are sort of aiming digs at him, and I don't think he's really had a chance to show what he can do. He's had a couple of a couple of sort of flashes of 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 what we know he can do. I mean that obviously that 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 wicked cross for for Rondon, which almost went in against Leeds. Um, and then that pass for Richarlison in the build-up to the to the handball incident was a great pass. So there's there's definitely signs of what he can bring us. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to see that more now. I'd like to see him get more time. Yeah, I think I think for me it's it, Deli Ali. He's got so much quality. I mean, he's only made a few cameos, but as you say, Lyndon, some of the passes he's made, and I think that's going to be the difference for Everton going forward into into next season. Is that you know Alex Awobi? Yeah, he's. His work rate's been improved recently. He's running harder. He is getting back, and he seems to have been given a confidence boost by Lampard. But in possession uh, against Man City, he was, you know, losing the ball. It's almost like he doesn't know what he's going to do with the ball when he gets it, and he was dispossessed. And I just felt like, for all the hard work that the team was doing, that you, you can't be so wasteful in possession. Um, I felt that he he did lose the ball. Just too many times in terms of giving, you know, giving the ball back to to City, it, it cost everything a counter attack, and it gave City the an opportunity to get forward again. So for me, it's it's just about boosting that quality. The, the the base level for me is is that endeavor and that work rate. But overall, um, we need players who've got both now. Uh, I think we all agree on that. Um, that <laughs> that would be the plan, you know, going forward. We need we need the work rate, but we need the quality to go hand in hand and. If you don't have one or the other, then you know Everton are going to succeed. So, yeah, I agree, Lyndon, that Deli Ali's quality—you you need to see players like that in the team. Absolutely. I thought that was his best cameo yet against Man City. I think of the how many games has he played now off the bench for Everton. I thought that was that was his most productive one. As you say, really good ball in uh, for Richarlison. A bit torn between uh, him and Damari Gray myself. Um, Damari Gray can be very effective um, away from home as well. And I don't know, you could have an hour of Damari Gray, then 30 minutes of Deli Ali when they're tiring. I don't know. Um, or Deli Ali knows all them players very, very well, doesn't he? And uh, probably knows some of the weaknesses, perhaps, of uh, of, um, of whichever fullback, whichever side he'd be up against. Um, yeah. Um, Definitely, there's definitely an argument for starting him, but yeah, I think I'd like to see either Deli Ali or Demarvi Gray. Certainly, one of the uh, one of the two given given that game because you're right, you're right, Al. Um, just that improvement in quality in that final third, isn't it? I think that's the biggest frustration most of the time with Wobi. It's just that that um, yeah, that end product, I guess. Um, just a bit too wasteful a lot of the time, but um, yeah, if you, I mean, obviously the work rate he's been putting in, particularly lately. Um, means that's a factor as well. But yeah, I'm just a bit torn between uh, Damari Gray and Dele Alli. I couldn't really really decide. I, can't, I don't know if you'd almost get more out of Ali, uh, Dele Alli giving him a really good half hour 
if uh, you know if I still got a chance of uh, winning the game at that point. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I guess over to Frank with that one. I guess isn't it? It's actually a decent shout. Having you know, relying on uh, on Damari Gray's pace for the first hour, um, you know, knowing how how dangerous he is on the on the counter attack and particularly one on one. You know, if you have him in there and he's can make the breakthrough in the first half, then yeah, bringing Dali Ali on for the final half hour. That, that's actually a good shout. I'm going to change. I'm changing my mind. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I'll have to. Uh, I'll have Glad to see how it goes. Glad to be the catalyst for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think Dali Ali. I don't know. Probably a very good player to have when you're like protecting a lead. Actually, I think Dali Ali is very very cocky on the ball, isn't he? He's very comfortable on the ball. He's probably pretty good at sort of like holding the ball up a little bit, wasting time, bringing others into play high up the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty, probably pretty good in them positions if if, if, if you're sort of protecting the lead. But just realise now... He likes to get stuck in too, doesn't he? He likes to get stuck in. Yeah, definitely. I'm already dreaming now of us being one up thanks to the Marley Gray and then Danny <laughs> <laughs> comes on. So yeah, I've done it again. We're carried away. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, All good. Right. Well, I, I think you probably touched this on this on maybe the first part. Um, I think it's it's just options, isn't it? In um, in um, attack in attacking areas, and it's just nice to have that now, isn't it? Where you can, we, I think we say, oh, where, where will Delhi Ali play? And you know, and just things you got. Yeah, I think we're probably just, just all that, that shows about how far Anthony Gordon's come. He's probably nailed that place, hasn't he? On the other side, um, now we don't know what happens if, if Dominic Lewin, Dominic Calvert Lewin's back in the team as well. But just uh, all all across that front line, there's a lot of different options there. Um, so yeah, I guess it's a uh, good it's it, it's good for Frank to be able to. He's got all them sort of different sort of formulas he can sort of trial and yet yeah, let alone Townsend as well. He can play play him on the positions also. So, um, so it's good that he's got a lot of different. Uh, a lot of different options uh, to work with there. So just about finding the right formula for the right game, I guess, isn't it? And uh, yeah, um, I guess he'll, he'll be learning about his players all the time, aren't he? And um, yeah, some training seems to be going quite well. So uh, yeah, let's uh, get a good win Thursday and then yeah, a few more days training, good trip down and then uh, another positive result because that would be massive, wouldn't it? If we, get, if we could... Uh, Get through the cup and then pick up three points at Spurs. Blimey, that would be um, such a lift. And bear in mind, playing on Monday, we don't know how the results are going to go over the weekend. Because if it, you know, it, we, it could be could be in the relegation zone tonight. Um, Burnley win again, say at the weekend. I don't know who they're playing, but they, they you know, and, and results don't go forwards. We could not only be but be third bottom, but be third bottom for probably like three three points, four points adrift. Yeah, I mean, so it could it could be a uh, it could end up being very important actually. So. Um, yeah, certainly. Chelsea, a big week Chelsea at home. They're playing Chelsea at home. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. You'd think Chelsea would win, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd, you'd expect, but you'd uh, you just don't know at the moment. So, fingers crossed, eh? All right. Well, let's uh, dive into the um, the question. And last week we we picked a, a thing from football's past that we'd like to bring back. And this week, while we won't go full Room 101, uh, we'll name something from football's present, apart from VAR, that we'd happen to get rid of. Um, I'll kick this off um, and go with the World Cup in Qatar, because not only for all the reasons why most people find it objectionable, you know, forced labor, unsafe working conditions, uh, the corruption that seems to surround the whole bid by a tiny Gulf state in the first place, but also because I I just don't think the World Cup belongs in November. And it's this unwanted disruption to the league season. You know, these, these football tournaments, they belong in the summer for me. And that's, that's where I would prefer that they would stay. 
Yeah, uh, mine is probably a bit similar to yours, really. Then and it's it's these midweek FA Cup games. Um, you know, we've talked about the FA Cup losing losing its magic over the years, and maybe clubs not taking it as seriously. And I, I feel like moving the fifth round to midweek is just it's just damaged that further. I know that teams have a pack schedule, but I feel like you know it's the FA Cup is really important. It's tradition. It's English football. And, uh, you know, it, I probably won't get my wish, but I would love it to be reinstated in the coming seasons, back to the weekend. Um, you know, Boreham Wood fans, they've got to come to Merseyside in the midweek. It just makes life difficult for the match-going fan. And I, I know that the match-going fan, you know, we're not thought of now, really, in the modern game. Not not like we should. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's it's about getting the FA Cup magic back. Um because uh, yeah, I, I've loved the tournament, but it has it's it's lost something over the years. And you know, if, if we want to get that magic back, we've got to place more importance on it uh, and more prominence as well. So for me, it would definitely be to <laughs> to scrap these midweek FA Cup ties. That's a good shot. Um, mine's um, <laughs> I know it said not um, not VAR, but it, it obviously couldn't help it. Um, it's VAR, VAR related at least. Um, this like uh, FA Cup games when like it's only the, the if you the Premier League team is at home, the VAR is in use, but it's not in use in the away games and just that sort of it's 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 just madness, isn't it? Like um, so it doesn't make any sense. It's it's just not fair on the whole the whole complexion of each round. I don't think then and um yeah, just to make any sense to me. So if they you know Ever Everton against Bournemouth Wood on what uh, Thursday. We'll have VAR, but if that was at Borden Wood, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be VAR. You know, what I mean, I think was it like at Hull away because because that was their championship club. There was no VAR. Um, we probably should have had a penalty or maybe two for handballs, but well, we probably wouldn't got that anyway, would we? <laughs> VAR, but um, actually, we definitely would have got that anyway. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, just that, just find that absolute madness. Why that? Why why that's um, why that why that's different for each uh, for different. Like, surely they can sort that out by now. I mean, there must be enough, enough money involved to be able to sort of get VAR and state it into them grounds. Either that, or if you can't do it, then don't have it at all in the cup. You know, but I think it's got to be fair across, and that's just uh, a bit of a, a bugbear of mine, which I'd uh, which I'd like to get rid of. But um, yeah, FA Cup games midweek, which aren't well, there's no replays anymore, is there? Really, did uh, they go straight to penalties now? Season, no, not this season. No. Was that was that what is that a, a, a due to COVID or was that um, is that just the way it's going now? Yeah, no, I think idea? it was because of the fixture congestion, wasn't it? The, the 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 number of games that were called off because of COVID over the Christmas period. Oh, okay, so that's why they scrapped the replays. Um, okay, fair so. enough. Yeah, there's, there's there's some logic behind that at least. That, but yeah, you wouldn't be shocked if they just wanted to keep it that way, would you? Just uh, speed things along. I'm sure a lot of cl- I'm sure a lot of clubs, certainly Premier League, Premier League clubs, would would do away with having replays um, for for cup games. So I wouldn't be shocked if that sort of thing sticks around and the uh, replays start start to become a thing of the past. Because that was like for me part of the magic of the cup, wasn't it? it was just there, uh, you know, you could see your team would go away and get a get it, you know a lower ranked team could go and get a good. You know, get a good draw at home, then a then a lucrative away, you know, away uh, replay and things like that. You know, it's um, cup replay. I mean, it used to be replay after replay after replay until there was a winner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could cut down just to one, which is fair. I thought it was fair enough to cut that to one and then extra time penalties. But now, it's uh, I hope that's not something which um, which sticks. I got a feeling it will be, uh, in, the, in moving forward, no replays. I can I can see it going that way. 
Um, but yeah, I think certainly certainly the first round should certainly shouldn't be like a when yeah th- let alone the Thursday night should it. So uh, yeah, good shout. The and I think Qatar. I think um, yeah. Well, I, I think everyone's in agreement that it shouldn't be in Qatar. I personally don't really have a, an issue with it being in sort of November December. Um, I think it's, you know, if you want to take the sort of sport around the world, I think like when the, the World Cup was in Brazil, for example, they had to, I think they had to, they had to pause their league and, you know, and um, they, they were happy to do that to accommodate the World Cup. So I've got no issues as such with it, with it being that time of year, but obviously more the corruption and et cetera, everything that came involved with it being in Qatar. And I think I'm more annoyed about the World Cup after that, which is going to be up to like 48 teams and, uh, 16 groups of three or something like that and it's just kind of a bit kind of a bit silly the world cup isn't it which is a shame you got venga talking about doing it every two years as well and that sort of thing and uh yeah so it's um it's a shame because i think it's it's still the best uh it's still the best sporting event for me international football in the world cup i just absolutely love it um absolutely it's, it's amazing to watch I and mean, it just feels like it's being sort of like dismantled and ripped apart um as yeah, you know, uh, as we move forward, so uh, yeah, it's certainly obviously agree with Qatar World Cup being in our um, in our room one one, I suppose. All right, well, we'll leave it there uh, for another week. Thanks again, Paul Nell, and to everyone else for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, in a week's time with plenty to discuss, I'm sure, from the Boreham Wood tie and that trip to Tottenham for the Monday Night Football. Um, So until then, take care and we will speak to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 